Sometimes I just want to drive my fist through someone's face. You know? Grab them by the throat and beat them bloody. I just want to destroy. Go on a rampage and loose my fury upon the world. And screw the consequences. My rage towers, burning white and hot like a strip of magnesium, looming like some ghastly avenging angel. I see red. I see death. I feel power. And all compassion leaves me. And I reckon myself a wrathful god, justified to judge and punish and make right. It's a fairly terrifying state of mind when I look back on it. And what's wild is it can erupt inside me at the tiniest provocation. And it is thus for us all, to varying degrees. If we are then, so to speak, carrying around a loaded gun, seems like we ought to know what it is, what it's for, and what it's not for, and to learn when and how to keep it holstered. Because if we don't, somebody's gonna get shot. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Robbie's Wreckers and Associates. You line them up, we knock them down. If this is your first time here in the show, you surely picked an interesting entry point, let me tell you. But I'm glad you're here. Buckle up and get ready, because this one's going to be a bit fiery. But maybe that's just what you need. So brace yourself and enjoy the fireworks and the crisp slap of some blues guitar. Wherever these ramblings find you, I hope they fire you up in a good way. Hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high, let it burn, and pass it on. I tell you what, everybody, it has been an up and down and sideways kind of week. It's just been all over the place, all kinds of different things. But you matter to me, so I'm here. We're going to get this done. We're going to make it happen. Even though my main machine has bit the dust and I'm using a spare that, thank the Lord, was available for me to use. So, hey, just ride it out, yeah? Do what you got to do. Get her done. Because the people are waiting. At least a few people. Hope that's you. All right, everybody. Let's ramble. What does it involve? That's very clear. 
Elevated blood pressure, dilated pupils, tensed muscles, clenched fists. A physical and emotional heat that seems to blind us to all but that one thing that's ticking us off. We all know what that feels like. But why do we get this way? What takes us from annoyed, to angry, to livid, to apoplectic? What is it that triggers that fury? There are a few different ways to frame it, I suppose, but I think this one is the most accessible. Anger is our reaction when our sense of justice is offended. We have in our conscious and subconscious mind a world order, a way in which we think and believe reality should work. And whenever something in our world does not work that way, we get angry. Which is kind of fascinating, for multiple reasons. First, where does this sense of moral indignation come from? And how do we develop this internal meta-narrative that guides us? And whatever the answer to that is, why is anger the reaction to broken rules, so to speak? Why not simply emotionless corrective measures? Especially if this universe really is nothing but mechanistic billiard balls bouncing around. But beyond that, anger is fascinating because it reveals how individual we are in constructing our sense of justice. Because it always revolves around us. Just watch your kids if you got them. Whenever one is annoying the other, that other can very quickly become furious at the injustice that is being visited upon them. They said stop, and the antagonizer did not stop, and that is unjust, and it must be met with fire. Or, from the other direction, one wants the toy, and the other will not give them the toy, and that is unjust, and the toy must be taken. <laughs> Parents, I know you hear me. But that microcosm is quite revelatory, if you think about it. So much of our anger is clouded by a self-centered view of life. Perhaps you think there's nothing wrong with this, it just is what it is. But personally... I get very circumspect when I remember that the things that make me angry are not necessarily unjust at all. If there is a higher justice out there. Because if what I get ticked about is deeply colored by my own self-importance, then I should be very cautious about letting rage take me over. Now, I don't think this means that all anger is wrong, or that justice is not a worthy goal. Far from it. But knowing how skewed our personal visions of the world can be, how do we contain and guide and appropriately loose our rage without burning down the world or searing our loved ones? All worthy questions. Let's see if we can't take them down. Let's go straight at it then, shall we? Is anger a flaw in the human psyche? Is it a weakness? A bug? Yeah, a remnant from some ancestor who needed anger to survive, now unfit for this modern world? I mean, let's be honest. The first thing many people do when they see someone get angry is try to calm them down, hold them back, diffuse the argument, and hopefully push it toward a resolution. Or push it down the line or under a rug, sadly. Anyway, it's as if we all seem to think that the only thing anger gets us is some kind of pointless battle, which usually does not solve whatever caused the fury in the first place. 
a fruitless fight, if you will. And so modern psychology has fashioned many tools to help us de-escalate, push past anger and conflict, to be honest and vulnerable about how we feel, and to try to resolve things in a healthy way. (laughs) Sorry. And it seems fairly obvious that our anger tilts toward dysfunction. Tunnel vision, bitterness, contempt, a vengeful spirit, none of which are good things. So at first blush, it would seem the answer to the opening question is yes. Anger is a bad thing. It should be avoided. However, you have to balance all that negative potential against the positive. How many movements for freedom and change were sparked by what I will call a righteous anger against oppression and evil? People awaken into a knowledge that things ought not to be this way, and then unite for positive change, sometimes with force. I don't think any of us would point to those instances and say that those were bad things even though all human movements do bad things in the name of good at some point. But here's the thing. Anger, rage, and fury at unjust things is always a main pillar of change, if not the very heart of it. Even anger at oneself for not living up to one's potential can push us to be better. So, anger is complex. The thing itself seems amoral. It's not right or wrong. It simply exists. But it can either drive us to destroy and hurt and hate, or it can push us to oppose evil and instigate change and sacrifice for the good. So, anger really is like fire. It can either spread destruction, or it can provide light and heat and power. It's all in how you use it. But seeing as the gray area still is quite large, there's more to examine. So let's move ahead. assume that we'd all agree that hating another human is a bad thing. When we give in to true hatred, we poison our souls. And seeing as anger and hatred can link arms so easily, it makes me wonder. So, anger is a reaction to what we perceive as unjust, and it leads to a response where we will in some way oppose what is being done. And that can be good. It can do good. But what about our internal state? Do we hate our enemies? I mean, how do you oppose without hatred? How do you resist without resentment? How do you fight for what is good without wanting to harm your opponent? I don't know. (laughs) I've never really cracked that one. When I played football back in high school, I never hit anyone as hard as I could. I mean, as hard as I could without caring if I hurt them. In the back of my mind was always the knowledge that if the force of my impact injured them significantly, I'd be guilty of that. The only times I'm apathetic to someone else's suffering are times when I'm captured by hate or contempt. And those are dark moments. When I let a wicked coldness take me. And the line from anger to hatred is short and clear. And that gives me pause. Because you can't be full of hate and light and to be fighting for the good while at the same time harboring contempt for other humans is a soul-wrecking strategy. we got to figure out how to oppose someone while loving them at the same time, which sounds impossible. But maybe it's not. Maybe it comes down to what makes us angry. What if we can aim our anger at the event, but not at the person? 
if we can see what they've done that is wrong or has hurt us, and want to undo it, but at the same time eschew a desire to discard or kill that person. That's a lofty goal. Eh? If not impossible, then extremely difficult for us humans. And what does that say about us? What does it say about what's broken in us that needs to be repaired? I'm just asking. the phrase blind rage and if you never have well you just did but it's an exquisite metaphor because rage is a kind of blindness don't you think when we get hot and we see our opponent's actions or words and we just want to let them have it with both barrels we may not realize it but i think a lot of times we're ignoring the reasons they might have for what they've done and all the reasons why retaliation is not a good response you know, it'll just perpetuate the cycle and leave the underlying causes unsolved. That's not great, Bob. And quite honestly, that knowledge sticks in my head. It hangs on me like an anchor. It's a total buzzkill. So many times I want to gear up and let fly at someone, but I can't. It seems as if I'm utterly incapable of disregarding the other person's POV. or dismissing the life they've lived that's led them to where they are. I can't forget the fact that there are things I don't know. And I can't get around the unfair pain I may cause if I just unload on them. The idea of pouring out the lava of my anger is so satisfying, but I look into the eyes of the human in front of me and I just can't do it. Maybe against all odds, I really do love my enemies. Maybe. But in my head, they still take a beating. And I have hated people. Truly. These days it comes in short bursts that I have to battle and kill for the sake of my own soul, but there was one human I could think of where I let my rage turn into true, unbridled animosity at them. And it almost wrecked me. Stick around. I'm going to tell that story later on. But here I just want to hang a lantern on the complex nature of wrath. It can be justified, and at the same time, best held back. For your own good, for the world's good. Not that there's not action you should take to address a situation or a wrong that's been done, but blowing your top and throwing elbows and putting fists through walls or jaws, it's, it's like scratching a bug bite. It doesn't help in the long run. But man, it sure feels good, doesn't it? God in heaven, save us from ourselves.
Speaking of popping someone in the mouth and the like, there's a comic I really enjoy named Bill Burr. <laughs> and uh, if you're also a fan of Bill's, I'm sure you're smiling right now. His shows are not family-friendly, and they drive straight into fraught nuances of subject matter with a wink and a grin and a whole heck of a lot of grown-up language. But he asks really good questions and plays with the quote-unquote wrong answers in a way that, to me, actually makes a very compelling argument for the right way to go about things. Anyway, in one special recently, Bill does this great bit. I would play the excerpt for you, but I can't for two reasons. One... I'd have to slap an explicit rating on this episode. And two, for the life of me, I cannot find it. I know it exists. I just, I can't, I, I don't have time to watch all his specials and find it, but I know it's there. Anyway, Bill's doing his shtick about how men can't hit women, even when women are being truly unkind, mean, nasty, or even physically aggressive. I agree. I think it's fairly universally accepted that men striking women is wicked. It's oppressive. Even if the guy's smaller. Whether that's fair or not, I'll leave you to judge. But during the bit, Bill jokes this taboo is kind of unfortunate for women because they lose the opportunity to have some sense knocked into them. <laughs> oh, man. So wrong. Anyway, see, he points out that between a lot of typical guys, if one guy starts mouthing off and is not listening when his homeboys are saying, dude, you need to cut that out, and this guy keeps spewing, eventually he's going to get popped in the mouth. And that'll snap him out of his foolishness. Like, yeah, I deserve that. I was out of line. That makes me laugh so much. It's not great. It's not ideal. But it's real. So, in such a case, your friend's anger at your misdeed leads to a loosing of their anger in the form of a strike. And it snaps you out of your waywardness. So, kind of, in a certain environment of uh, trust between guys, one party giving their anger a little burst of release... To do a brother a good is a, a good thing. At the same time, if you're living in an environment where a right hook is an everyday solution to help keep you in line, well, uh, I guess. I mean, it sounds like a lively place. And also not one where you want to spend your entire life. And to spin this forward, I don't think we should see anger like steam that we need to release lest we rupture. I think that's close, but it's not quite right. I think there's a better metaphor out there that will help us keep our anger from damaging us. And that's coming up next. special, or maybe it's the same one, I don't know, like I said, I couldn't find the previous clip. Bill Burr calls his rage a demon in his family tree, and he ends the show with a bit about how he takes his anger and grief, 
stuffs it into a jar, and screws the lid on tight, and then puts that on a shelf of rage. I love that. What a picture. And then he mulls the question, and I paraphrase, who's going to pay for that later? You know? When is that rage going to come out? And who's going to be in the blast radius? That's brilliant. I know that feeling of taking your sadness or anger and crushing it down into a dense little cube of fury. But since you believe that losing your temper is wrong, you take that cube and lay it on a stack with the others you got inside, like a little block tower. (laughs) Actually, it's more like a little tower of radioactive fragments, constantly decaying and giving off radiation. And every now and then, blowing up. And that's not good, is it? No, sir. It's a good idea to keep your anger in check, but holding back what you really feel also seems unhealthy. But what's the solution? And we're all going to get angry. It's inevitable. And some of us more than others. What do we do here? Doesn't bottling up all that ire lead to, like, heart disease and ulcers and stuff? Well, it's funny. You know, I did a cursory search of recent articles, and it seems that that's not so certain. Apparently, letting loose leaves internal damage just as much as holding in. To say nothing of how blowing your top hurts people around you. And that makes sense. Because when you're angry, your cortisol goes sky high. You know, whether your rage is held back or let out. That stuff is still coursing through your body and doing you bad. So it would seem we need a different antidote. You know, we need a way out. I think maybe that way is wisdom and humility. The clarity to see why we're angry and move through it to solutions. Or to grieve, if it's actually our sadness that's making us rage. But it makes sense that it would need to be some kind of transformation, because I think if we leave the anger in its pure form and either let it blow up or store it for later so that it slowly poisons us and eventually detonates. I mean, why do that? If there's a third way, a process to convert that unhealthy anger into something else, let's do that. But diffusing anger is much easier said than done. Sometimes it requires a truly brutal inner look. I know from experience. After this next little interlude, I'll tell you the story. there's this parable Jesus of Nazareth told about a guy who owed a king the equivalent of millions of dollars in today's money. 
The guy pleaded for mercy and time to repay it, and the king was so moved, he ended up just canceling the debt. Which is amazing. But later, this same debtor, now set loose, wouldn't forgive a much smaller debt that someone else owed him. And the king was so furious at this hypocrisy that he threw the unforgiven guy in jail anyway till he could pay the debt. Which would be never. Now, it's just a parable and an illustration, and we can debate exactly what it means, but let me tell you how I found out personally that the sort of unforgiving, merciless rage this guy had, the kind that leads to hate, does actually put you in a prison of despair. And hey, anybody listening with kids out there, uh, this part gets a little intense, so if you want to skip to the next section, you go right ahead. See, back in high school, I had a female friend. We'll call her Deirdre. Uh, She got molested by another high school dude, and we'll call him Andy. Andy felt Deirdre up, under her clothes, against her will. At least, that's how she explained it to me. Now, Andy did stop when she said stop, and he did admit that what he had done was wrong, and begged Deirdre to forgive him. And she did. But I did not. I was irate. My rage burned with the fire of a thousand suns, and I thought myself worthy of sitting in judgment on Andy. I simmered, daily. I hated him in my heart. Whenever he would walk into my space, I would turn dark. And no matter how much Deirdre told me it was okay, that the air was clear, I wouldn't let it go. And I fell into a depression, because real hate can't coexist with happiness, joy, freedom, lightness, goodness. It drives them all away. It puts you in prison. And it was about that time, after a few days of living in that dark dungeon, I found this parable about the debtor who the king forgave and how unforgiveness is a wicked thing. And I realized I had to forgive Andy. Had to let go of his perceived debt to me. Because, well, I'd been forgiven a ton of dark deeds too. And I'll tell you, letting that anger and hatred fall set me free. And it was very instructive and, quite frankly, taught me that rage cannot take the wheel. Of course, Andy had done wrong, but I had no right to be his judge, jury, and executioner. Sometimes, oftentimes, rage is the height of hypocrisy. And we really got to be careful about self-justifying fury. Like I said, our perception of what is just may be quite skewed. I'm not saying I like it, everybody. I'm just trying to hand you a tool to stay free, okay? Stay away from rage that drives you to hate. That's all. Okay. Let's end things on a good note, shall we? I'll be right back. So let's bring it full circle, shall we? We're angry when we think an injustice has been done. That things that ought not to be, are, or vice versa. But we must be wary of our sense of justice because it may be off. 
and we can often take anger to dark and corrosive places. But anger can also drive us to take action for the good, and it is plain that there are injustices all around us that should make us angry and should make us do something. I don't think many of us have difficulty grasping that one. I think the biggest knot in the proverbial board when it comes to anger is how to keep it from turning malignant, turning into a tumor of bitterness or hate or violence. To avoid that, we can realize our own failures and have some compassion. For those of us who have been forgiven, we can remember that and extend forgiveness to others. But there's a third way to help diffuse our anger when it's leaning toward a negative outcome. It does require a certain worldview which you may not share, but if not, bear with me anyway. I think it's an intriguing consideration, wherever you fall on the spectrum of belief. Here it is. If there is divine justice meaning that there is one being who is conscious and cognizant and completely informed about all the competing claims for justice, who knows all the deeds and knows the truth of the matter, the real truth, and who cannot be bribed or misled, then that being's justice will satisfy. The wrong done to us will be dealt with. But simultaneously, the wrongs we've done will and must be dealt with too. And that's kind of terrifying. I'm an okay guy, but... I've done some evil things. And when I get angry about other people's wrongdoing and I want to choke them out or hate them, I'm sobered and calmed by the idea that any justice I want to inflict may just be what I deserve. It's like that one saying, Revenge belongs to God. If He is real, His rage is the only kind that is truly, fully informed and unskewed. That's pretty profound. And it only becomes more so as you look into what a God like that might do versus what he did do. How he found a way to satisfy his own justice and still be able to forgive us. But that's a whole other episode. For now, I'll leave you with this. Best way to be is slow to anger. And when anger comes, pick it up and see what's underneath before you act on it. I hope that'll steer you right. And me too. Because there will always be people and things that infuriate us. Rage is a beast that never truly dies. You gotta know how to face it before it wakes up and charges at you. Good hunting, y'all. And that is that, my friends. Thanks for smashing things up with me. If you like, please do subscribe and share, and most importantly, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And it's the best way to help the show spread. If you want to reach out to me, you can drop me a line using revenantalien.com slash contact, or I'm on Twitter at arevenantalien, where I try to make your feed a more interesting place. You can also find me on Medium, if you like slightly longer, more literary musings. And for those that want to support the show, head on over to revenantalien.com slash support, and follow the link to my anchor page. Finally, for those who are furious and long for justice but know they need mercy, take a look at RevenantAlien.com slash searchers. It's bad news and good news, but the latter is the last word. Don't be a stranger. Hmm? Godspeed. And I'll see you out there.
Well, welcome to you. Got to the secret part of the show, secret bonus segment. I got to be quick today, guys. I we went long on the recording, like I said, crazy, crazy times. I just want to leave you with one quick thing here. I had no idea how much my week would spin out of control, but I'm still sitting here getting it done any way I know how by hook or by crook. And so if you're looking at something and you got a problem that came into your life and you're like, that was the last thing I needed times 10, doesn't mean you're down and out yet. Get creative. Look around the corner. Look and see what you got in your hand. I bet, I bet there's a way you can still get things done. You just maybe got to let go of the way you always do things and try to do something new. And you never know what kind of crazy fun times might come out of it, all right? You got this. You can do it. Even if things seem like they're falling apart, look closer. They might just be falling away to reveal something even cooler behind them. Hope so. Love you guys. Get some.